Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table for our series, Breaking the Stigma for Mental Health Awareness Month. Tonight we're going to talk about mothers and mental health, our personal stories in relation to mental health and our experiences. We wanted to share a little bit of our stories and let you know that you're not alone if you're feeling this way. So tonight I have Rachel Flanagan from St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, everybody. Kim McIsaac from Boston, Massachusetts. Hello. Jamie Ramos from Denver, Colorado. Hello. Jen Dunn from Vancouver, British Columbia. Hello. And myself, Tabitha Cabrera from Phoenix, Arizona. So we're going to start tonight with Rachel Flanagan, who has a very personal story in her recent experiences with mental health. And she's going to tell us a little bit about that. Rachel? Um, I just wanted to share because I feel like as I have with dear friends and close people, since my mental health hit an all-time low, I feel like there's more people that relate than I certainly knew while I was there in it struggling. Um, just about two years ago, I walked out of my daughter Celie's room after putting her to bed finally, and I closed uh, this wooden door to a wooden door jam with a big gap on the floor while a window was open in the room I was walking into. So it slammed. And my husband was sitting on the couch in that room that I was walking into and said, uh, as it slammed, he's like, you would scream at me if I slammed the door like that. Celie's sleeping. And I, I don't even know if I paused for a moment. I just screamed. I don't really care about the door. I want to die. And I had um, been struggling for a long time prior to that. Mostly I was busy during the day. And from the time my daughter's feet hit the floor, you are just in it until the time they stop getting off the bed at night. And I really struggled at night because there was this time and still is this time in my life where she may fall asleep, uh, but will certainly wake up again. And I try and stay up for that period so that I have all my kind of devices about me as I help her through whatever she needs. And it's pretty much in that time when my house was quiet and my life was quiet and I didn't have people that were, uh, you know, also nocturnal at the time. And so I was just alone and I was struggling so bad. I spent most of my time not doing hobbies that formerly filled my heart, but rather writing notes to the people that I wanted to connect with in my passing. I had notes throughout our house too. I, at the time was doing a lot of like the home and care for everything. And my husband was working like an hour away, long hours. And then an hour home didn't do much besides sleep and, you know, eat. And so behind the spaghetti noodles was a note that said, you have to boil the water before you make the meat sauce. She likes this kind of garlic bread because I knew that he didn't know how to do any of it. So there was notes in my daughter's dresser said he would know how to handle it. There was notes about our medication inside the lids of things. Like I was really feeling worthless in my effort, no matter how much I put into being a wife or being her mom or being an employee or being someone's daughter or any of it just was too much. And I felt like the little bit that I was bringing forth made more problems for other people to pick up the slack from. And that if I was gone, 
someone capable could be caring for my daughter. Like I told Billy he had to get wifed again. So that was going to be handled somehow, but I, you know, I, I, at least he could make spaghetti anyway, after I had slammed the door and he called me out on it and I burst, I ended up crawling my way through. And now I'm two years out. Um, I'm really grateful to have meaningful relationships in my life again. Um, I don't have a lot of fear about my feelings. I just try and own it and include people in it. As part of my immediate therapies, I called, you know, I called all of those people and I have then begun to share more of our story at home on Flannaville. And uh, that's been super therapeutic as well, because as you all know, I met these four incredible women. Um, now, not only do I have systems for crawling out of my digit storm uh, when it comes back, but I have people in my life that understand what my heart is like. And they're like, get up girl, or, oh my gosh, or this is how you help that. Like there's a brainstorm and a safety in my table for five. So I feel that there's a safety in numbers in um, having people that understand your life because naturally my mental health is fragile. I can say that because I have to. And among the table for five, it's okay. And I'm hopefully able to spread a message of hope and help. I feel like it's not as easy as just saying, get help. From my perspective, it's in every way that you would call for help. It's taken a lot of effort on my own to cultivate solutions. It's not just the phone call. So though I encourage you to use the suicide hotline, it, I just really want to say that it takes a great deal of work. You have to decide every day, like recovery of something, at least I have had to, and I'm grateful uh, to be able to share a survivor story from the time of 19 that my birth mom committed suicide uh, three years prior. And so I don't know if it's nature or nurture that came, that I came to this place, but I, I am, I have a chemical imbalance and I need help to survive that. Love you. Love you. Yeah. You, Rachel. Oh, yeah, so much. Well, Rachel, I really wish we knew you then and could have helped you through that. We love you. Thank you. Love you. And I want to just say thank you for sharing that with us and everybody. I know that wasn't easy to do. And I just think it's really important because there's another mom out there who probably feels as alone as you did. It's true. I mean, that's, that's real. I too struggle with depression and anxiety. My anxiety started when I was 16. It started when I was pregnant with my son. I had very, very bad anxiety, but like, I didn't know what it was because it wasn't talked about at all. I literally did not know what it was. I just thought I was quirky and a little crazy. I used to have panic attacks constantly, but like didn't really know or understand what they were. My husband knew about them, my mom a little bit, but I don't think they even really knew the degree that they were. I would get hot palpitations. I would go into panic. I would do it in situations where it would be normal to be nervous. Like if I was in a parking lot at night and I was going to my car or I was going to the ATM, um, it came to the point that like, I couldn't even really do that stuff. And if I did, I was in sheer panic. Like literally my body wouldn't respond any different if you put a gun to my head, that's how I would react. But I didn't know that that was anxiety. I didn't know what anxiety was. It never dawned on me to like tell the doctor to seek help for it. I mean, who's not nervous in a parking lot at night? I didn't grow up in the greatest area. We moved to the suburbs, but like it didn't really get too much better because it's 
very dark and tree around here that scared me more you know I would sometimes I'm just gonna make me sound like a horrible horrible mother but um there was a point where I would have my five-year-old son go into the house and turn the lights on because I could not walk into a dark house I couldn't do it I'd be getting my daughter out of the car and he would go in and I know that just sounds terrible but like I knew that my fear wasn't rational but it was still there I mean I would just do these things like I would go and meet my husband I'd drive 30 minutes into Dorchester where we where he still worked and wait for him to get home from work and drive behind him so I didn't have to come into the house alone at night which was pretty challenging to do with a special needs two-year-old and a five-year-old but I didn't know what it was I just kind of dealt with it on my own because I never knew what anxiety was I never knew I don't know why like my husband and mother didn't like really know that there was something not normal going on there was a time when my husband was working nights and he didn't come home when he was supposed to and I couldn't get a hold of him and I immediately thought he was dead I was hysterical you couldn't have done anything to convince me otherwise I basically had his whole work his boss everybody thought like something had happened to him I was that like upset and crazy that I literally made other people crazy too and then when he came home I was just I mean I was sobbing it wouldn't have been any different as if like it had actually happened the way I would react so it really was not normal but I didn't know what it was it's like the only thing that would have stopped that was seeing my husband walk through the door like it would nothing else would have mattered like I would have had to physically see him and know that he was okay and that's why I have my iPhone on him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he allows it because, like, he knows it stops me from, like, going into a panic. Um, I mean, I have so many examples that are just, even to me, they sound crazy now. But we were driving home from a birthday party in New Hampshire, which is, like, one state up from me. I was with my mother and my daughter. My son wanted to go with my brother and my father in a different car. So we were driving. And they, like, kind of flew past us. We came up to an accident up ahead. I could see ambulance and fire engines and, you know, the road blocked and... I immediately thought in my head, it was my brother with my son in the car and my father. I started shaking, crying, I mean, bawling. And my mother's just like, do you want to pull over? Do you want me to drive? And I'm like, no, no, nope. And like, we're getting closer and closer. And I mean, the tears wouldn't stop. I was just convinced that it was them and it wasn't them. And it wasn't even that bad of an accident. So then I'm like, okay, you know, and it was just like these things like this that were happening that just, you know, obviously now I know that that was not normal. I definitely should have had help. I definitely should have had medication, but I didn't know what that was. And like my mom would be like, well, I'm nervous if I'm at a dark parking lot, but like I would be in the sheer panic. I didn't really know the difference at the time. So I just dealt with it for a long time. And I actually was taking a course on abnormal psychology in college. And I was like, oh, I was like, I think this is what I have. (laughs) Um, And I did learn to cope with it as time went on. I just didn't know where to seek the help. It was just a different time then. It wasn't really talked about. It wasn't all over the place. We didn't really have too much social media at the time, but I did deal with it. I still deal with it. Not to that extreme anymore. I think I'm too old and tired to get into a panic now. (laughs) I mean, it does happen sometimes. You know, it did start with my daughter. When she got her license, a lot of that anxiety came back. That type of anxiety. I have like other types of anxiety, but the response that my body and brain has is very Pacific. Um, You know, and it's just, it's really hard to live like that. But I just didn't really know any different. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When you speak about it now, you Mm -hmm. like from the past up to present did it build like were you a little bit worried then more worried then anxious then super anxious like did it build like that not really because I think what would happen was so I kind of have narrowed it down to like I think what would happen was anytime I was in a vulnerable situation 
-hmm. that's what would trigger the panic. So if I was like getting the baby, you know, you're getting the baby out of the car seat, your back's turned, it's dark. I was a very young mom. You know, I think all these things contributed. I think hormones, because it definitely started when I was pregnant. I mean, I worry, I still worry excessively. Like I drive my husband berserk because of just the way I am. I can kind of catch myself now and kind of like there's certain things like once I hear myself say what if even in my brain I'm like goodbye like you can't say what if that that only produces anxiety and it took me a long time to realize that not to say that I'm perfect but like sometimes I can just kind of put the stuff out of my head when it's start the sometimes the worrying build I'll have like a nagging worry and then it will like get a little worse the panics type stuff kind of once I get even now if I get to a certain point there's literally like no coming back. Even medication won't bring me back once I get that far into it. Yeah. So, you know, I do have like generalized anxiety and where I've had situations that I've dealt with in my life that have definitely contributed to anxiety. The anxiety is already there. It just pulls it out more. I had like normal depression that you might get like a little depressed about stuff or get down, you know, in the dumps. I never experienced actual depression until uh, maybe 30. I guess I was 30. It was when uh, my daughter Lexi was about two. I had this, I was getting severe migraines and I was literally like not able to get off the couch for like three days at a time. My husband forced me to go to the doctors because the migraines were so bad, but the migraines were really just a symptom of the depression. And I was in such a depression that like, I didn't even know that I was in one. It sounds crazy, but like literally like I would just get up and take care of the kids. They had four kids. I, they had to be taken care of. So I would get up and do what I need to do. But it was like, there was almost like no emotions attached. And I would just go through the motions. And it's not like this whole thing where like, you're crying, and you're upset, and you're emotional for me. That's not what my depression is like, I was just completely numb. And I didn't really know I never had it before. So I didn't really know what was happening until I finally went to the doctors because the migraines were lasting three to four days at a time. Um, It's physically almost impossible to get yourself in the shower to get yourself off the couch to get yourself to make yourself something to eat like obviously with the kids like I did the stuff I needed to do for them because I'm their mom that's just what I do but that was like my first experience with it and I really didn't know what it was until they put me on medication for the headaches but it was also a medication that could treat depression the fog started to lift I was like oh until I felt normal again like I didn't know how bad of a depression I was in. Those parts are so gradual. You're yeah. the first tomorrow. You don't wake up with depression. But not that it's funny, but like my running joke here is like the only thing that could like has like helped my anxiety was my depression because <laughs> it makes you not care about anything. So, <laughs> but yeah, so that was just kind of like some of my experiences that I had. I've talked to more and more people over the years that are like yes yes exactly uh Mm -hmm. my husband for a long time could not understand he doesn't understand anxiety because he doesn't experience it so he's always just like well just don't worry about it and I'm always like well if it was that simple oh that's all you do yes and then even if I'm depressed he'll be like you know just cheer up and I'm like "Ah." I try to explain it to him it's really hard to understand it if you haven't gone through it you know there's a lot of people that have anxiety it's a normal emotion you might have anxiety over a big test or you know something going on in your life it's not the same thing as having an anxiety disorder it's very very different it's it goes past the normal like getting a little worried or getting a little amped up there's so many different symptoms that you can have from anxiety that I've learned over the years, like things I had no idea that tied into it. There's, you know, every aspect of your life is affected by it. 
Jen, what about you and your experience? I mean, not to make light of what you were talking about, but to pivot off and not being able to shower, I am the opposite. I actually struggle immensely with severe OCD, which definitely affects my mental health. I get anxious at the thought of anyone being in my home, anyone walking on my floors. I shower compulsively. Yeah, and I when my daughter was a baby, um, so I was diagnosed before I had my daughter, uh, they said typically it eases up when you have children because you're just busy. But it actually got worse for me. I had just purchased my first home and I had hardwood floors laid and I actually hand washed them so many times a day that I eventually stripped my floors. <laughs> the guys were like, the floor guys were like, we have never, we've not seen this from being hand washed so much um, because I would have the water so hot. I just stripped the floors. And then when my daughter was a baby, I didn't want to leave her home. I didn't want anybody to touch her. I struggled in the beginning with touching her. I didn't want to give her any germ. It's very hard to explain. I know people don't, they can't understand it. They think that it's crazy or whatever it you know, might be, but I didn't want to give her germs. And so I didn't want other people to touch her. So we didn't leave her home, which, you know, when my daughter was diagnosed, I thought that's why she had autism because I didn't leave the house with her. So that spiraled into a whole bunch of emotions. And I was put on a medication for it. The medication didn't do well with my system. So yeah, I still struggle with it uh, to this day a lot, immensely. And before I go to bed, I run through my head what I'm going to do the second I wake up, which by the way, is the same thing every single day. The very first thing I do is make my bed. My pillows have to be in a certain space. I have to have every single blanket folded a certain way. That's how I wake up and that's how I go to bed. Everything has a place. And if it's not in that place, I literally cannot relax. And I get agitated and antsy and that's hard. It's uh, interesting. <laughs> it's cleaning. It's just compulsive cleaning. I just yeah. clean all the time. Did you say you always had OCD or did it come on? At a I've always time? had OCD, but not to this degree, you know, where my feet are cut open because I'm always submerged in water. My feet are always wet. My hands are always wet. So yeah, they crack, it's crack right open. So. And did, did it come, do you remember it coming on at a certain age or was it? No, I always remember not wanting other people to like, I've never, I don't, I don't double dip food. I, I think it's the most disgusting thing when people would talk about like potlucks at work. I'm like, Oh no, no, I'll just bring a separate. Like, I've, always, <laughs> I've always been like that. Even as a kid, people touching things. If people touch a spoon before me, I wouldn't use the spoon in the food because it's been touched. So I, I've always had issues with it. <laughs> just, it, it got progressively worse as I go. Yeah. 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 Which, which is extreme anxiety. I mean, I will, one of the, the very few things I do for myself is I have a cleaning lady and I get very anxious on the day she comes knowing that I'm coming home after and something could be moved. Like I, I, it's very hard to explain, but it actually stresses me out a lot on those days. Actually, the point where my cleaning lady said, I don't really need to come as often as you have me because <laughs> I really don't have a lot to do when I'm here. <laughs> send, her, send her over to my do house. It again. Do it again, Yolanda. Just keep it going. <laughs> Yolanda, keep keep the going. Keep, keep going. Keep going, Yolanda. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yolanda. So now my daughter will say, because I get, you know, I I, I did stop. So the, the doctor did say to me, You're you're bathing her too much. You you can't bath your baby five times a day. You're going to make her have a complex. And I kind of did it, you know, she would drop something and you know, because I, I never got mad at her, but I would just clean it up and be annoyed that there was 
stuff spilled. And so now she actually will spill something and say, it's okay. Yolanda cleans our floors. <laughs> God bless yes. Yolanda. Yes, God bless Yolanda. Yeah. So anyway, yes. Yeah. I find that um with OCD, a lot of people think like, I mean, I've said it jokingly. I know it's not a joke, but like, I wish I had a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I don't, I don't take any offense to it. I don't, I don't take but I, I think it. that people don't realize that you literally can't relax. You know, it's actually horrible. So I wouldn't let people walk barefoot on my floors. And if they came over, I'd provide them with socks. It would be disposed of after they leave or take the socks with you because I would not wear them. <laughs> um, and so my, my friend's a manufacturer and they joked they were going to make socks, like special sock booties for me <laughs> to hand out at the door when people arrived, like a, par- like a party gift. Something that costs Welcome. like $1. Here Put you your go. socks on and don't touch anything. Take them with you when you yeah. leave. <laughs> yeah. So I never had anyone in my home because I couldn't handle having people over. The thought of it made me physically ill. I couldn't sit down when they were there. So I'm sure nobody really enjoyed being there anyway because I could not sit down and relax. I was constantly cleaning up around people. And that's not, you know, enjoyable, but yeah. So fascinating. That's my first I, quirk you're going to learn about. <laughs> Lots I of luck, people. Just getting started. What about you, Jamie? Like Kim, I have anxiety. Mine's more a social anxiety. I do have that though. I, My brain jumps to the worst case scenario a lot of the time. So like Kim, I imagine if someone's home late, I imagine their whole death funeral. I'm freaking out. Uh, that has gotten better, but I still every once in a while that creeps in. You know, where it used to be if I didn't hear from my husband, like, he was like an hour late. If it's like, you know, a couple hours later, he used to travel for work. And if I didn't hear from him for like half the day, I'd be like the plane crashed or, you know, um, but my biggest issue with anxiety is definitely a social thing. I was always a very shy child. And I think growing up and just hearing that all the time, like, oh, she's shy. She's shy. She's shy. I just always thought, well, well, I'm shy. I didn't really know how to interact with people a lot like my son. So I have always thought maybe, you know, going through my son's diagnosis, I'm like, well, maybe I'm on the spectrum. And I think a lot of people in my life would probably agree with that. But socializing with people has always been incredibly hard for me. I overthink conversations a lot. Pretty much every conversation I have when I get into bed at night, I think about what I said, how I said it, did I make a fool of myself? What's that person think of me? And I thought maybe that was like something a lot of people did. And, and I, I do think many people do do that, but it got to like, when I started realizing like, oh no, they just go to bed. They are not up all night worrying about that. If I'm in a confrontation whatsoever, it kind of all consumes me. I can't um, let it go. I either hold a really big grudge or I beat myself up about it. So that for me directly becomes more of like a, I'm just an antisocial person. I am not very good at like talking to other people. I've never been very smiley or I have resting face like no other. <laughs> and so from that, like how Kim was saying, like what I get from a lot of people, like, oh, that's just Jamie. You know, if we have a lot of people over or we're at someone at social event, I go off on my own a lot. I've always been more comfortable around children. I don't know what that is, like some sort of, um, judgment thing I don't know but like we'll be at like a Christmas party and even before I had kids I would end up hanging out with the children like people's kids because mm-hmm. it was more comfortable for me so it's funny I, you say that because I used to 
I did the same thing for years. Yeah. I don't have the social anxiety, but I did that with the kids for a long time. Like and people just, used to think I was weird. Yep. I would be with the kids. I get a lot of like, oh, Jamie's rude. That's just Jamie. You know, that kind of stuff where it really is anxiety. I just, I can't handle it some days. Most of the time I have to have that time alone to regulate myself, especially at night. I, you know, I'm a big Harry Potter nerd, but I listen to Harry Potter pretty much every night since I've been about 12 years old to help me fall asleep. Hmm. Uh, meditation, Harry Potter meditation. Harry Potter meditation, because I can think about the book I can, you know, or get lost in that story, but it's a story I've heard a million times, literally. So I don't have to overthink. It's not a new thing, but, and there's just a lot of times I just don't sleep because of it. Uh, depression wise, there are a few people I know who have depression that I'm related to. For me, it came up. Uh, I talked a little bit about when their pregnancy journeys, I got really depressed during pregnancy and I didn't realize I was depressed. Uh, pregnancy is not what I thought it was. I was very sick. I was just hidden in a room a lot of the time. And while I was pregnant, we ended up moving. And I remember that move really helped me. Like it was like, breathing like how Kim talked about coming out of that fog you don't even realize you're in it until you take like that first breath of fresh air kind of like you've been drowning and then I would kind of fall in and out of it during pregnancy and I didn't know at the time and then when I had my son while I was pregnant with my son I never had that like connection with my pregnant belly or anything like that I always I'm a big movie nerd which we've talked about before I always like compared it to alien (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yes (laughs) I was like this is so weird it did not feel natural I'm like there's a human inside of me this is weird and I I just never had that connection it just felt so foreign to me and even when my son was born they pull him out they put him on your chest and I just remember being like I feel so weird I feel like this is a stranger and I I remember saying to the nurse because I just throw them out on your chest now with skin to skin and I was like can I see his face can I see his face and everyone's around me and no one's really listening. So finally I kind of like turned him to look at his face and it didn't really help in that instant. I do say 24 hours later when we're at the hospital, I felt like more of a connection with him. And I just remember kind of making a deal in this, in the hospital, but it still didn't feel like natural. It was like, okay, it's me and you kid we're in this, but it was like forced. It's like when you're getting to know someone more so than I'm your mom. I remember getting home from the hospital and we had to end up going home a day late. And the day we were supposed to go home, my sister was going to surprise us and set up this whole thing and all that was left set up, but everyone was at work. I ended up coming home on a Monday (laughs) and we go in and my husband had to run to the store to get like pacifier or something we all of a sudden needed because we had a baby and I was left alone with him. And that was the first time I was alone and I was freaked out. And I think all this stuff can be normal. I think people can have pieces of this, but altogether I, it became an issue. And, and then I became, even though I didn't have that like emotional immediate connection, I became very attached to him. You know, they talk about that animal, like mother's instinct. It was fierce, really <laughs> fierce. Those fierce for days, like people would come over and want to hold him and hang out with him. And I would just sit in my room and cry because I wasn't with him. And so I became kind of obsessed with my son. And that actually went on for a long time where I was, I was obsessed with him. I didn't want people to watch him or um, be without him. I remember the first time we went out, my mom watched him while I ran to the store or something. And I, it was such an ordeal for me. And so all this was going on. I felt very alone. I could relate a lot to Rach with the nights. Um, My husband 
was working and I didn't want to wake him up, but my son was a very rough sleeper. He would wake up every hour and a half. And then of course, like you fall asleep for like 10 minutes in between that. Yeah. So I just remember the dark, the nights being so dark and so alone. And when the day came, it was a little bit better, but I just remember, I just didn't like him at night, which sounds awful. I didn't want to hurt my kid or anything like that. And that's also why I didn't think I had postpartum depression because I, you know, you go to the doctor after you have the baby for those checkups and all they ask are like, do you feel like hurting yourself? Do you feel like hurting your child? So I was like, okay, I don't feel like hurting him or myself. I, I wasn't suicidal or anything at that point. So I was just like, it's just baby blues. It's just regular stuff. But the thing that kind of pulled me out of it was actually eventually going back to work, which was six or seven months. And I went just at nights. I worked at a restaurant. So I went back to work a couple nights a week. And that's when I started coming out of it and realizing. Um, and then I didn't even still didn't know it was postpartum depression until I was pregnant with my second daughter. And I was talking to the doctor about my experience with this stuff. And it was a different doctor than I had had. And she was like, oh, that's postpartum. And I was like, oh, because the stereotypes of what you hear postpartum people hurting their children. I was really obsessed with my child. I didn't, I thought that I would always have that disconnect if I had postpartum, but I came to find out that those were all things that can also ha- happen with postpartum. That was just something like, I still didn't feel those things. We, I really talked out with the doctor and she's like, are you sure? You know? And if you do have postpartum, you are very likely to get depression again later on in life. So that's something too, I always have to watch out for. And then with my daughter, it was just a completely different experience. It, I wasn't, you know, I still didn't enjoy pregnancy, but I didn't get depressed, I would say during it. She was a better sleeper and stuff. So I think that contributed to me recovering a lot better. But I remember like right after I had her, I wanted to get up and walk around. I you know, it was just like a a very different experience. And, you know, it just took me a long time to realize like what I was going through. And I, I knew better to watch for it. But yeah, that was my experience with depression and anxiety. Man, this is heavy stuff. (laughs) I can relate to so much of this for sure. Uh, Maybe not the excessive cleaning, but the rest of it <laughs> for sure uh, that's not uh, in my jam <laughs> uh, I have struggled with anxiety my entire life for sure uh, there's no question about it as a kid I had um, night terrors I had panic attack kind of one of those things where it's just a part of your experience and so it never really was like it was something I managed Like I need to do all of these things to manage my anxiety. In my teens, they got worse. I definitely had more panic attacks in my teens and twenties. And it's similar to Kim's experience where it would be racing heart. I'd be sweating. I always have this thing where I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I thought it was like associated to my health or blood sugar or something like that at the beginning, you know, when I was young and I didn't really understand what was happening. And so I always managed that without understanding what was going on with me. So anxiety is just in my core DNA. It's there. It'll always be there. It's something that I have to manage regularly. I have the same thing as Jamie, where at night, if I'm really anxious, I have trouble sleeping. I've had bouts of insomnia for sure. I use podcasts to fall asleep. I pretty much have to have one on when I go to bed at night or else I can't sleep too much overthinking about conversations, relationships. Do you listen to table for five when you're falling asleep? 
I'm going to say I listened to that in the car. <laughs> my Again, with my auditory issues, I have to have a certain, it has to be a certain cadence of speech. It has to be, um, it can't, people can't have accents. Not that anyone here would bother me, but like if you have like a British accent or Australian accent, no, thank you. I cannot fall asleep to that. It has to be like soothing, calm. Like, are you, are, our voice is not soothing. No. <laughs> what are you trying to say here? In your what moments? are you trying to say? accent I don't know <laughs> my husband always makes jokes about how it has to but I'm like the princess in the pea when it comes to podcasts because yeah. if someone's like making a breathing sound or if there's like a clicking in the background or anything I'm like change it I can't fall asleep to that <laughs> what is going on in the background of that so I've managed my anxiety for sure in my mid-20s I had a bout of and I don't know if it was wandering through the world not really knowing where I what I was supposed to be doing, trying to adult. I went to college and then I dropped out. I didn't really have family support. I did a fair amount of going to bars, <laughs> which is a culture of Montana. I will say, you know, it's just part of their, their culture. They have fancy wheat beers. It's just part of what happens over there. And so in my mid twenties, I was feeling really lost and depressed. It was a depression for sure. Now looking back, I mean, at the time, I didn't know that was what was happening, but out of control. I felt out of control. I felt my life was out of control and really lost. And so I sought out therapy at that time. And then my therapist kind of unpacked my life. And I had had therapy prior to that, but it was the first time that really looked at my experiences, which led to my anxiety and, you know, why I had so much anxiety. And that really helped me as a as a person, I had a great therapist. I had some PTSD that we had to deal with and a lot of life experiences to kind of work through, which I didn't know was causing some, some of these panic attacks and the anxiety that was happening. So I was with her for, I want to say two to three years. I went every week to therapy in my mid twenties. And she was amazing because I didn't have insurance and she let me be on a payment plan. And I paid her well into my late 30s you know like so recently she knew you were coming back she was fine yeah she was amazing she like discounted some of my therapy when I graduated from college and when I graduated from law school like just a really amazing person because I wouldn't have been able to afford to go if she wouldn't have worked with me you know you just if you don't have insurance the resources are really hard so anyway the anxiety I've always been able to deal with I don't really consider it debilitating even though it was at times and still is at times I didn't think of it that way because it had always been a part of who I was as a person and I think sometimes it actually gives me like a drive that others might not have. Like I can make a list of things really quickly because I'm so anxious about the way things are going to go. And so in order to control the anxiety, I have to make, where is this going to lead? Here's all the steps that it takes to get there. And then in that path, I already know where I'm going. So I think it's actually helped with a little bit of drive just because I have a need to control situations to control my anxiety. And then I've had like, kind of like Kim, like normal depression, not like debilitating depression until I had my kids. And then I had pretty significant postpartum depression with my daughter. Um, Nixon, I was so sick. Like I might've had it with him, but I, I couldn't really recognize all of that was going on at that time. I was definitely sad 
about our experience and I still am to this day um, sad about what happened with him but my daughter and I didn't know it was postpartum depression either I didn't have the classic like I had similar to Jamie I was like she had to be near me I had issues with what she was eating like I had to control the bottles that she used, how I cleaned them, when she was going to bed, what she was wearing, you know, just stuff like that, that, and she's always been kind of more drawn to me physically. The nursing is probably a big part of that. But I remember just like nursing her one night and I was just like, I don't understand how I'm feeling right now. Like, I feel so sad about this experience, but I also feel so like it's such a different experience than with my son. You know, I was, I think part of it was that I got to be so close to her immediately that I was fearful that I would lose that or it would change with him. I didn't really get to have that experience because he was in the NICU for so long. So I didn't realize that it was postpartum depression until way later, like way, way later. And same thing. I was going to the doctor and they were asking me, you know, how are you feeling? do you feel and I was like I do feel kind of sad but I wouldn't necessarily put it at a five or whatever the sheet was asking me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I didn't know how to describe what was happening so there have definitely been lifelong struggles for me f- with mental health and I think that anxiety paired with a depression especially over the past four or five years has had at times been just outrageous you know, and you just manage through it. And it's interesting how, like, I think when you have children, you feel like you shouldn't be feeling that way. You know, you feel like you shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't be anxious about them. It doesn't feel like it should be a normal part of how you're feeling when you parent and which adds to the depression. I think, you yes, know, like cause programming, we are here to debunk that. Yeah. Yes, you know, yes like, we are. Yeah. And, you know, there's just times that for me, like I haven't been able to control what's happening in my life and it creates a circumstance where I am wound up and it's always with something that I can't like our children's autism diagnosis. I can't control how that played out, what we went through with it, how I'm processing it, how I feel on certain days. And in turn, that makes me feel out of control in my whole life. My biggest problem that is the hardest part to manage for me is sleep. You know, I think autism moms don't sleep in general. For me, at this point, besides my daughter, who's, you know, a firecracker, we have a sleep schedule. And for the most part, they sleep okay, but I can't sleep, you know, so it, I'm tired all the time. I really am tired all the time. It's just crazy. It's crazy how these threads through my life have come up at different times and you don't realize that it's floating back to something else that you've experienced. You well, the don't. exhaustion too just yeah. triggers all the stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me too, like I have a lot of history of things that come back in my daily life. And I know I've talked about my work a lot, but when you're hearing stories of people who have gone through experiences similar to your own or that you can just empathize with their experiences it can be triggering yeah it can be triggering at different times so it's hard and then you know this past year has just been a whirlwind of things that would 
for any person, for my family, for us, would just cause anyone to have some kind of mental health <laughs> problems or you know, struggles, not problems, but, you know, struggles um, to manage it all. So it is, it's wild. It is. Social anxiety has been a-okay though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously COVID is horrible, yeah. horrible things, but there has been moments where I'm like, I've dreamt of this happening where I don't yeah. be with funny. people. Yeah. I know it doesn't bother me in the least, to be honest, because I don't like seeing people. But I will say two things. One, Jamie, you're my favorite resting face ever. I love yeah. you. Tabitha, I my thoughts on Nora, you couldn't control anything with Nixon. And yeah. you could control everything with her because she was home with you. Yeah. Um, and thank you for sitting in on Dr. Jenny tonight. And <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. It really is. Cause I, I lost, I had a real hard time processing the things that I lost in my birth experience with my son. Mm -hmm. And it's still very emotional for me. I got some of that back with her, but then also it was a similar experience. She ended up in the NICU and I didn't think she was going to be in the NICU. And so I think that's what threw it into like, what the hell? Like how much is one person supposed to deal with? And not just that, I float back to that all the time. If I have something bad that happens in my life, I immediately go to how much is one person supposed to deal with and the life scheme of their life. How many things are you supposed what to- What is the quota? Yeah, like when Girl. do I get to catch a break at some point, you know, which causes me to be in this mind space of just feeling overwhelmed, you know? And stuff you think you've processed, you really haven't. Because <laughs> it comes It's back so later. hard to be aware of mental yeah. health and self-care and self-help and all the other things that you've, we've all done and not be then more critical because you're still losing your shit. Yeah. 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 I just, Jamie and I were just talking before we started recording about Oprah's new book, which is What Happened to You? The book says Conversations on Trauma, Resilience, and Healing. And it goes on to say, our earliest experiences shape our life far down the road. What happened to you provides a powerful scientific and emotional insight into behavioral patterns so many of us struggle to understand. And I'll say that is a trigger fest. I mean, just to listen, but there's like these common threads between our experiences. And it's like, even if you're strong enough to fight a pattern that you've identified as a pattern, doesn't mean that it's not going to be another hitch in the giddy up right down that road. Like, yeah. Like you have to continue to reinforce the stuff that you work towards and work for and what you've been through and how you rise out, like rise above it and come out of it. A constant day by day. God, sometimes moment by moment. I just went and ordered the book. Thank you. I just popped I'm Amazon and like, ordered it. We are not endorsed by my friend Oprah. <laughs> no, but she also endorses bread. So that is my girl. Yeah. I love Oprah. But ask, believe, receive. Cause I've been a follower my whole life. did you you wrote oprah a letter because i did oh i love the oprah winfrey hey girl and you're back but i wrote her one sorry the other thing that i feel about us listening to our stories in this very like clear around the table kind of way is and and in knowing you all there's this control part of me that i heard in each one of you even the word used i struggle so hard in this bill of special needs momming with that there's shame that's another goddamn episode or something but there's so much depth to these experiences and also the ones that live in our roof like just not our children the, the circumstances of all the facets to it it's just a great deal of extra 
and it's hard, it's hard. I'm proud to be seated at this table with all of you. One of my most recent struggles that I left that writing group that we talked about in a past episode and neither of you would let go of me. And I just applaud our bravery and strength and friendship. I'm super clipped about it. Oh, I love you all. You guys, you ladies are amazing. I think we've all, through this journey of becoming friends, I think we've all kind of fallen down a little bit. But the best part is that there's four other people not only cheering you on, but waiting to pick you up. And I know you've all done that for me. So thank you very much. Same. Well, it's funny when Tabitha was talking, it made me think of this. And this is another thing I think people don't realize about anxiety is that there's like several different types of anxiety that you could have. So you might think anxiety is this way and you don't feel that way. So then you don't have anxiety, but there's different types of anxiety. And I get, I'm blessed with having like four types of different anxiety. (laughs) This is a big struggle that I've had. So I talked about the panic disorder already and what that does. So basically for me, the panic makes me fight or flight. It makes me fly. Like I want to run away from whatever is causing me that anxiety. I want to like, like mentally, I, I can't. But I also have generalized anxiety disorder, which is the opposite, which makes me want to control everything. I mean, I've gone to great lengths to control situations that there is no way in hell I can control, but I will die trying. And then I have this huge conflict in my brain because part of my brain wants to be like, bye. and the other part of my brain is trying to control everything you can't do both at the same time so then it's like I'm literally battling two different things at the same time when there's both irrational because you're freaking out it's and it's it's really like you really should only have one or the other like you should not have to have both (laughs) so I was just going to talk about this as like a really interesting thing that happened to me too um when my daughter had her first seizure at 14, um, we didn't know what was happening. We didn't know that she was having a seizure. She came out of her room. She fell into the door. She fell to the ground, uh, the floor. Um, my husband and me got up and he like rushed over to her and she started like her face kind of like went up here and she was like twitching. Blood started coming out of her mouth. She turned blue, stopped breathing. I thought she was dying. I thought she was having a stroke. I don't even know what was happening. And then obviously I was calling 911 and I was screaming like, where are you? They literally were here in five minutes, but it felt like 50. And then all of a sudden she was snoring on the floor and my husband was scared. Like my husband doesn't get scared. Like I'm the lunatic. I'm the one who gets crazy. I panic. I'm running around. (laughs) Like I'm doing all these things. He doesn't like, he's solid. Like he does. He's like, it's fine. Just relax. We'll, we'll do this. I could hear the fear in his voice. So like, if he was scared, the worst, then you knew it was bad. Well, and he was like, she's not breathing. I don't think she's breathing. And then she's like, her lips started turning blue and stuff. And, um, the ambulance came and like, he went with her and I literally like lost all sense of emotion. Like yeah. I drove yeah. to that hospital and I called work and told them I wouldn't be in tomorrow. I called my sister-in-law and was like, oh, oh, you know, Alyssa just had a seizure. I'm driving to the hospital. It was like, I was talking about going to get coffee. Like there was no, I wasn't crying. I wasn't scared. I wasn't nothing. There was literally, this lasted for two weeks, nothing. It was like all my emotions and everything were literally gone. Did you know you were totally numb and autopiloting? So I remember being at the hospital and I remember looking at her, like just laying on that bed in Obviously I was concerned, but I didn't have that. I had no feelings. I had no feelings of like, like I had the thoughts like, oh God, I hope she's okay. Like, but I had no feelings to go with those thoughts. 
like nothing like there was nothing there and it was just the most bizarre it wasn't probably till a day or two later I was at work and somebody was saying something and I kind of laughed but when I laughed I didn't feel that feeling that you get when you laugh like mm-hmm. it just wasn't like nothing was there I don't it was just some probably some kind of respond to trauma I mean I literally thought she was dying I'm sure that's shock. Think, yeah shock. it probably lasted I think almost two weeks and then then I was back to well you yeah, back to normal. Oh, you know, back to damn normal. I don't know. <laughs> you said about Neil um, just going with it or whatever, or, you know, being the calm one. I'm like, yes, when you decide to stay in Florida a couple extra days, he just goes with the flow. Not so much now. So now we have this line. My husband will get like a little edgy. So I go, are you turning into the Hulk? <laughs> and he just kind of laughs. But, um, yeah, he's just definitely the stable one. I think he has to be because he has to counteract. Plus, um, you gave him like an estrogen ocean. So many girls in that house. But I think that like his fear also probably like triggered. You know, it's just very interesting what like your brain can do. You know, and it was just I just remember walking around like, do I call anyone? Do I call a doctor? Do I like say anything? To- <laughs> nope. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like you just feel I'll be better tomorrow. I'll be better. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this is temporary. That's what, you know, I was trying to say that, like, I felt like, let's just get through this summer. This is like a hard season. This is a hard chapter. We're in a hard, like, aggression had just shown up in our life. All of these things you could blame that were situational rather than so deep within me that I wasn't even making a friggin' choice about it. I think too, there's the idea that it's all, it's worse for someone else. It's always, yeah. like when I, I was in a mass shooting and we were offered all this therapy and stuff after. And in my case, so the shooting happened and I was in a multiplex. It happened in one theater. I was in the theater next door and bullets did come through the wall and did hit some people, but I wasn't in the room full of trauma where people saw massacre. I wasn't in there. So I was like, oh, well, I was just there. I didn't have what they had. And very similar. I went to shock afterwards and I never went to therapy for it. And it took me a long time to recover and I just didn't realize, like, I, I was like, oh, well they had it way worse. And I think we do that a lot in our lives. Diminish. So always has it worse. So why are we, who are we to complain? Who are we pity ourselves enough to like get help, but really you need help. And it's, there's all different levels of needing help. And yeah. And I always go through this thing when like, especially if a professional is asking me questions or whatever, I always make a reason why I don't fit into their box. You know, it's like, you're like, I'm smarter than you. So here's why. Yeah. Or I just, I have this instant thing where I'm like, should I say this or shouldn't I? I don't really know if I, well, that's a beautiful thing. I have that thing, like talking to the trauma worker who just explained she's a mandatory reporter. And I'm like, well, that's fine because we're living in trauma. (laughs) And then she blinks at me like, what the shit did you just say? And then she has to ask her series of questions. And I'm on like the fifth one before I realize what's happening. Like, <laughs> but it is, but not like that. Okay. Yeah. But by the time that happens, like I'm so tired and I just want to be out of the appointment. I'm like, no, actually everything's fine. Just <laughs> <laughs> everything's good. Keep, let's I gotta keep, keep that wart <laughs> and like, all the other things I talked two- about. This is just take, it's funny. Like when you go to the hospital and they're like, what kind of pain you're in one to 10. And I'm like, well. 10 is probably, 10 is like the worst pain you could possibly be in. Like, I'm like, okay, that's like you getting shot in the face. That's like, you know, crazy. <laughs> so it's like, in, um, like so husband, nine and a half. 
Yeah, I'm like, maybe it's three or a four, but it's really probably like an eight. Like, yeah. somebody else would say eight. And I'm like, well, I mean, labor stuff, like, you know, and I'm yeah. like always making these comparisons Me to like, too. It. I do that too. I do that. My too. sister's like, you always add two points to whatever you think. If you think it's a four, you tell them a six. <laughs> I do that too. I do. Well, I have the same thing too, where I'm just like, I don't know what category this fits into. Maybe it's just like overthinking. Maybe it's anxiety. I love that you go to your appointment with like a legal pad and you're like, so I've done my research and I'm a category three anxious and... I don't know what your chart means. We need to talk about this chart because I don't understand what you're asking me. On this I've gone ahead and Googled the evaluation. Simple chart. I do not understand what you're asking me. So they need yeah. to like hook us up to like a lie detector to be like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the mom dial turned up. <laughs> well, these are our stories on our lifelong experiences with mental health and as you can see it's pretty normal to have struggles as moms and women and people in this world we are going to have four more episodes talking in depth about some other topics for mental health awareness month resources are going to be in the description of the episodes if you're looking for any help we will put that there Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the table for episode one of our third series, Breaking the Stigma. If you feel you need resources regarding your mental health, please check this episode's description. Episode two is coming soon. Please remember to rate and review us wherever you're listening. And make sure to follow us at facebook.com slash table for five podcast. We'll see you very soon.